Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. There is a lot of stuff to, we have to discuss. The Devils keep rolling. The Islanders keep rolling. The Rangers are not rolling. But uh, we also got the Hall, of Fame, the Hall of Fame inductees of the 2022 class that we have to discuss. And, you know, are the Devils just not getting enough respect right now? We're going to go more into that. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams. And I'm joined by the man in... Uh, the bottom square again, uh, the host of the final buzzer, Mr. John Falkowski. Nice um, Hall of Fame class last night. Uh, I know we're going to talk about that in a bit, but happy for a lot of those guys. So uh, definitely ready to uh, have some discussion about that. And uh, we're going to be talking about next year's possibilities as well. Some uh, There's a notable first-time inductee or first-time eligible inductee uh, next year that we all believe is probably going to get in on his first try, and he definitely deserves it. So we'll talk about that. There's there's definitely that that we're going to talk about in a moment. And Mr. Anthony Garaco, who is just basking in an 8-2 and two last 10 games for the New York Islanders. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good a good stretch. They're playing, they're playing real good hockey right now, and uh, – you know, let's let's I guess let's break it down. Yeah, Anthony, I think we're just going to go right into that right away, because after all, you know, if you remember 10 days ago, we were doing the first Ranger Islander game as a pregame show. And there was talk of the Islanders potentially dropping to two and seven. Yeah, that's not happening there right now. They are. Uh, I have it right over here. They're 11 and six. They begin a three game road trip two hours uh, to Nashville, Dallas, and Toronto after they beat Columbus in overtime, beat Ottawa on Monday. They did fall to Arizona last Thursday. By the way, Anthony, uh, the Rangers hangover has got to be a real thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, perfect world. You you want to beat a team like Arizona at home, but, um, you know, they, they've squeaked out some wins against some pretty good teams. Uh so, you know, it, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, overall, uh, you can't complain. You know, they're they're playing good hockey right now. Um, they're scoring goals. They're getting good goaltending. Um, you know, Mark, a couple of weeks ago, we had the bar talk topic about Sorokin leading the league in save percentage by, like, Thanksgiving, end of the month. He's he's third now. So he's he's creeping up there. Um, so, yeah, everybody everybody's pinching in right now. I mean, even Zach Parise is playing at, like, a, you know, a half point per game pace. Um you know, guy's 38 years old, but his engine's always running out there. And, you know, when you have guys like that playing well, it really helps support the top guys, which speaking of Brock Nelson's rolling, uh, Barzell's playing at a point per game, more on him later. Um, and just, yeah, they're, they're just playing, they're playing good hockey. And you know what, Mark, right now, while obviously everyone says it's, it's still early, you always have to include that, whether you're talking about a, you know, a team that was supposed to be really good and is bad and, and vice versa. Um maybe maybe everyone everyone said last year about last year was just a perfect storm of everything that went wrong for them the covid the road trip and you know they really are that same team that made the conference finals two years in a row right now that's that's looking like that could be a valid case and you know maybe if this keeps up in another month or two i have to apologize to big lou and eat and eat some crow but um (laughs) yeah you know right right now though they're they're playing they're playing really good hockey i mean uh it's really not an area that they're really playing poorly in um and every and all their top guys are being their top guys what you want to see and you know i i also can't say enough about noah dobson you know noah dobson has 12 points um he's he's still producing uh he's actually playing at a 
higher pace than he did last year when he had 51 points. So who knows how high he could finish. But, um, yeah, just, just overall, everyone's going. And uh, hopefully they stay healthy, knock on wood, and it can continue. So we'll see. Now, before I just toss this off to Phil to get his, some of his thoughts about on the Islanders recently, i uh, got to ask you, uh, you this question. Have you ever eaten crow, Anthony, and what does it taste like? Uh, you know what? I, I haven't, but I got to imagine it's probably, probably very bland. Maybe like dirt. Maybe it probably <laughs> tastes like, it tastes like dirt. Uh, I've eaten it many a times. And sometimes when, uh, you get the players that they see everything on TV. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get, Oh, don't worry, Cor. We're getting to that one. Uh, when you see guys on TV, they respond to the critics. Just keep in mind, you prove them wrong. You prove them wrong. And then if you prove them right, eh, that, that's the other thing too. So sometimes people don't need to be criticizing us because of things. Philk, what are your thoughts right now on this recent Islanders uh, hot streak? Um, I know we've talked about this before. They, it, it's, I mean, it's good to be a third period team and, it, and it's good to have that comeback magic, but you, you definitely don't want to continue to get behind in games. Mm -hmm. um, that's not a good thing to be playing from behind in most of your games. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand how they continue to win like that. I mean, I do in a way, but I also don't. But um, I, it, they're playing well. I mean, there's no other way to really describe it. They're playing well. They're just getting a lot of contributions. I mean, you have Zach Parise on pace for about, I would say, just under 40 points in, in, in an 80-game season. That's really kind of a surprise. And remember, I talked about that. That 37, 38-year-old um, drop-off, you know, Parise is actually kind of rebounding a, a little bit here. It's weird. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the guy must be a, a gym rat of sorts because to be in the physical condition that he's in and have the motor that he has at his age is pretty impressive. Um, Oliver Wallstrom, after a really hot start, has cooled down a little bit, but, I mean, he's still got some, some decent numbers. Noah Dobson's really the guy. Noah Dobson's the guy who you look at this team and you just say, wow, like they, they found a stud there. And uh, I mean, Anthony knows I wanted the Rangers to take him in, in 2018, but they didn't. They went with a certain Vitaly Kravtsov who's been out of the lineup recently with tooth problems. Yeah. Tell, tell me that. Yeah, no, we're, we're going to go off on him in a little bit too, Ranger fans. So. But um, so um. Yeah, they, they've been pretty good. And Anders Lee is is just about under a point per game right now. I'm shocked that he's still even at these numbers. Uh, Matt Barzell, again, we talked about this yesterday in our little group text, but how, how long is no goals and a point per game pay sustainable? Because you, you look at the guys that have scored 100 goals and, and – or I mean 100 points and less than 30 goals in a season, and the list is a very, very, very short one, but it's some elite names um, – in the history of the game, your Joe Thornton's, your Ron Francis's, Adam Oates, and so on are just a few on that list. But even point per game seasons with less than, you know, 30 goals, maybe even less than 20 goals, it's it's really defensemen, but the list of forwards is very small. So yeah. Um I, I like what I see from Matt Barzal. Looks like he's taking the initiative to make the plays, but he still hesitates to shoot. And I I I I've said this for years. I want to see him shoot more. I know he doesn't have a great shot, but he can beat goaltenders with it. It's just a matter of becoming a, a less or a more diverse offensive threat. And, and that's where you want to see the goals there, especially if you're an Islander fan. So um, cause for concern, 
somewhat it just because I, I don't think it's sustainable, but again, can you really complain when he's a point per game player at this point? So it's, well, it's, it's kind well, of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know? Well, that's why before we even go to my thoughts, we're going to go right back to Anthony on this one. Matt Barzell, cause for concern with zero goals? Yeah, listen, in, in, a, in a perfect world, you obviously want to see him light the lamp. Um, but as an Islander fan right now, the, the, the team is winning. Um, he's still, you know, at a point, you know, point per game player. Um, so it really is hard to complain. Um, so it's, yeah, you want to see him score and I'm sure it will come. Um, but Barzell, you know, some guys just, they can't shake that, you know, pass first mentality. I mean, you know, Josh Bailey's whole career always, sometimes he drive you nuts and he still does it where he has a clear shot and he passes. Um, Barzell does a similar thing at times. Um, I think just, he tries to get so creative that, you know, he's always making that pass to maybe try to surprise a defender, whereas maybe he should just shoot the puck. But, um, you know, he's he's skating really well. He's driving the play. Um, he's getting the defenders to back off of him, which is creating space for other players out there on the ice. Uh, he's seeing the ice well. So, I mean, yeah, I, I want him to score. Um, but again, you know, as long as he's putting up the points, uh, I I really don't care at this point, as long as he's, he's producing on the score sheet. Uh, and he is. So uh, sooner or later, the dam will break and, you know, he'll probably get a couple. But, um, you know, right now, again, you know, it's hard to complain. There's what, only two players ahead of him in assists? At, uh, what did I say the other day? McKinnon and Dryside all at the time. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's played yeah. since and overtook him. But that's some pretty good company to be in. So, yeah, it's uh, McKinnon and Dreisaitl. McKinnon is 20 and Dreisaitl is 19 right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought so. And. You know, he, he was asked this question, too, uh, about he hasn't scored a goal yet, and he has said similar things. He's like, you know, I'm happy with my game. I'm playing well. The team's winning, and for him, that's what he cares about is the team is winning. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, I, I do have to say that I, there are instances where being pass-happy is a problem. There was, a, I think, the first power play they had against Arizona on last Thursday. I was at the game, and – he ended up leaving like a drop pass sort of for Dobson. And it was a good 10 feet away from him. Sometimes he could get a little bit too cocky with it. Um, I don't think that's particularly the case with him. It's just, you know what? You could just be like, all right, well, I can make all these passes. You know, shoot the puck a little bit more. If everybody knows you're going to pass, it's, you just got to let them know. Make it, uh, make it be honest. But again, when Matt Barzell, once he scores his first goal, he'll probably score his second goal like a, the next day, or if not the next shift after that. So there's no reason to be too concerned about that. One thing, Anthony, though, I have to, I have to kind of disagree with is when you said maybe they, they might be the team they thought they were going to be last year. I think this team is completely different. I really do. I, th I watched the game on Monday, and at one point, Adam Pellick took the puck at the right point, went down to the slot, went all the way over to about the – um the left face-off circle and took a shot. When the hell did they do that under Barry Trotz? They didn't, no, yeah. they weren't that free skating type of team. They're doing no. it now. No. Like I said, early in the season, you could tell their D is activating so much, so much more. Um, they're playing with a much faster pace. And um, speaking of D, I know we, we, the three of us have talked about them and, um, you know, I, I, I commend Philk for actually giving this player a, a lot of props, but um, Scott Mayfield has been playing really well. I, I can't I really can't say enough. Uh, you know, the game it was the game against Columbus where they came back. He, he tied the game with a with a big goal. Um, 
and he's has four already. And I know, you know, he's not known to be an offensive defenseman and, you know, probably this will end up being a career year offensively, but not even that he's just, he's just playing so solid defensively. Um, His game has really grown so much. Um, He's really important. And I know we talked about it. I would hate for the Islanders to lose him uh, in the off season. If if they can't pay him what maybe his market value will, will be, but um, I would love to keep Scott Mayfield going forward because he's uh, he's really he's really important to the team. So um, we'll see what happens as the season develops. But I, I would love to keep him in the orange and blue. I just don't know if it's feasible. I I and, and both me and Phil are shaking our heads on that because it, it's going to be impossible with the economics and the budgets on that. Yeah. It's going to be tough, especially yeah. it's gonna be more interesting when the trade deadline comes. Right, Phil? Uh, I Scott Mayfield's not getting dealt at the deadline. If that if that's what you're trying to stir up over here, Scott Mayfield's not definitely not I'm getting. Just dealt saying, it could get it. It could happen. I I doubt it. Um, and the Islanders are probably going to be in a playoff position or at least fighting for one at that point. Um, <laughs> they're not dealing Scott Mayfield at that point. The 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 fact of the matter is is that like Anthony said, they're probably going to lose him because he's going to command anywhere from I would say four and a half to five and a half million. Um, and if he hits the market, somebody's going to pay him that. Uh, we we've seen guys like Carl uh, Carl Alsner, who I don't think was ever as good defensively as Scott Mayfield was, um, get some big big money on the market for being defensive, uh, good defensively. But Scott Mayfield's going to get paid. Someone is going to go give him that bucket and uh, that bag, and that's going to be it. And he's probably not going to be an Islander after this season, unless they get creative and they clear up some cap room and get rid of some guys. So. I can't even blame him too, because the guy's making was been making what one point four five for the last four or five years. He's got to look out for his Islanders a sweetheart deal. Oh my god! Yeah, that that is a hell of a deal. That is one of I, I wanted to put that as one of the more underpaid contracts that we had when I made the list of the ten most underpaid players in the league. But I mean, that is a sweetheart underpaid, deal. I think in the salary cap era, I would have to yeah. say. Yeah, it's it's. I wanted to put it on there. I didn't, but because there were other deals, I still thought were were great bargains. Anthony, I gotta go to this one though, because all year and we were waiting for this in free agency of the Islanders and their interest in Johnny Gaudreau. So Gaudreau plays his first game against the Islanders at UBS Arena, and I have this quote right over here from him, <laughs> which is Gaudreau saying. He was confused, if not amused. It was uh, last Saturday night at Long Island. And every time the Blue Jackets winger touched the puck, Islander fans at UBS Arena booed him. I was talking to my coach after the third shift. I was like, I don't get it. I didn't even talk to the Islanders throughout the whole free agency. So um, did we read too much into that? But we also had inside information that Lou had a dollar value about him. You know, that, that's really a, a real head scratcher because – we were doing the show, and I vividly remember, one, our good pal Dave Panyota tweeted at one point, the Islanders and Devils. It was down to the Islanders and Devils. And on TSN's broadcast, I think it was Pierre Lebrun that reported the same thing. You know, So these aren't schleps. So how, how do these guys get information that was so wrong? It, 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 or you know, the agent is probably feeding them false information to drum up the market and get somebody to make a bid that they weren't. Yeah, I guess. Beforehand. That's got to yeah, be or, it. or the other one is, as Goudreau said, he didn't speak to the Islanders. The agent could have spoke to them. That's that. that I mean, it, when it becomes serious, that's when the player really has to get involved, right? Yeah, I mean, you could be right about that, but uh, honestly, I think this was a ploy. Um, 
it, it, we know that the Islanders were in serious, serious talks like this close to getting Nazem Kadri. So yeah. it actually kind of makes sense that Gaudreau never really talked to them because if they had their sights set on Kadri, then, you know, that would have been their guy. And, you know, Lou, Lou doesn't, he likes to drag his, you know, he likes to drag his ass on things sometimes. And that's what mm-hmm. happened with Kadri. So, um, I, honestly, I would say that Gaudreau's probably right. I don't think the agent ever talked to him. I think the agent was probably just feeding him some misinformation to get uh, some other teams to drive up their offers. By yeah. the way, this is a little bit weird. I have to throw this one out. I, As I was silencing my phone, by the way, if you're ever doing a podcast, you probably get to silence your phone so that way your, your text idea. messages don't go off. But one of my friends just texted me and said, Scott Mayfield in the Snug last night. That's a bar that's right next to Croker's. Um, Wait, what, what are you going to do about that? I was like, all right. Wait, the Snug is right across from the McDonald's. Really? Yeah. Oh, God, so you got to get him in Croker's, bud. I got I, I got to get him the oh again I got Leo uh, sorry Kevin from Leo's that know that knows him pretty well so uh, but yeah I know we've spent 17 minutes on the Islanders right now one, so we're actually going to move on everybody well, one so, one last one last oh, yeah, thing just Anthony, so yeah. everyone knows a little bit of news the Islanders waved uh, Nikita Sashnikov yesterday and he cleared waivers um, so just just some speculation that they're going to be calling up another forward. Um, now that they have the roster space, whether it be Simone Holmstrom, who's been playing well in Bridgeport, or, you know, maybe one of the younger guys, but it looks like they might be making a change amongst the, the forward position. I mean, the other night they scratched Josh Bailey in favor of Ross Johnston, which, I mean, not really a good move. Bailey is a lot better than Johnston, so maybe um, maybe they, they're looking to bring someone up to play in place of Bailey. So just uh, something to just keep your eye on. They might be giving a younger forward a shot. Are you saying William DeFore or you're saying someone? Well, honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but clearly they, they want, they want to get a different look uh, of someone on the roster being that they waived Sashnikov because uh, they couldn't bring up anybody else. They're at the roster limit. So now he's in, point in 15 games for Josh Bailey. Oof. Yeah. So yeah, I, see, I why, see why you'd want to get rid of him. Yeah. So I see why he sat, uh, but Ross Johnson isn't the, isn't the answer. So it just could be something they're looking at. Well, currently right now, uh, the New York Rangers find themselves in fourth place in the Metro Division. They had wins over Detroit and Arizona this week, but they lost to Nashville. And my take on the Nashville game was UC Saros was standing on his head in that game. Oh, my goodness. The Rangers, their post-Islander hangover, they had a six-goal third period to win six, uh, sorry, eight to two. Adam Fox named one of the players of the week, two goals, six assists, and eight points. But, Phil, the Rangers are about to embark on a four-game West Coast road trip. Seattle, San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim. And the L.A. and Anaheim games are back-to-back. It's over the next uh, seven days. Is this yeah. a make-or-break road trip for the Rangers? Yeah. It's, if we were, if this was bar talk, then this would be around right now. Um, I, I would definitely say so because you literally have four games against some teams that you should beat. All these teams are beatable. And if you come out and you come out with anything less than I would say a three and one record, uh, it, it could spell trouble for this team going forward. Two and two it would be passable, but you really have to go three and one on this trip. You have to. I, I would say you you need to really kind of take all four games and and really start to get in a swing. 
I mean, their their last game was a win against Arizona. Um, they again they played back to back nights, but so did Arizona. Arizona lost to New Jersey, uh, so they both played two games in the span of twenty four hours. And the Rangers did not look good for the first half of that game, as I as I said on the uh, final buzzer. You know, you 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 bent in the first half, but you didn't break. And in the second half of the game, they they came out and they played well and and kind of locked things down and, and scored some goals. But you need to build on that. And this team has not built on their wins. They they let their losses build up for uh or build up rather for a bit where they lost a few games in a row, but you, you can't continue to play the way that they've played in terms of inconsistent play, slow starts, piss poor efforts. That needs to stop. The, the Don't leadership, forget piss poor finishes. Yeah, and piss poor finishes as well. And, and they they need to, to really get together. I think this leadership group should have a meeting with the team, a, a players-only meeting, and just get the troops together and get on the same page and start coming out strong and start showing like you care about playing because they just have not given the efforts in some of these games that would indicate that they really care about this season. So, I mean, I don't know, like here, I, I've said this before. I don't know if this team has a strong enough leadership group. And if this leadership group is not strong enough, then maybe they need a guy who's a disciplinarian like Keenan was to that 92-93 group when he came in in 93-94. So, um, again, this is another great comment here. The Rangers look hungover. They're missing the eye of the tiger, that hungry look that they had last year. And they came back in games. And and now this year, they're they're getting down in games and they're getting frustrated and giving up at times. So, I mean, a couple of these games, the Arizona game, they showed a lot of patience. Good. The Philadelphia game, they showed a lot of patience, even though they were – they were dominating Philadelphia. It was just a matter of time before, you know, they let up that goal and Chris Kreider won it overtime. And then, you know, the Detroit game, they, they were down what two one in that game. And, yeah. and they, they came back and they scored seven unanswered goals to win that game and absolutely just blow Detroit out of their own building off their own ice. So build on this, start giving us more consistent efforts. Guys like Chris Kreider need to play better. Um, I, I love what I've seen from Adam Fox lately because the boneheaded mistakes were there earlier in the year. It seems like he's playing more like the Norris winner from 2021 than uh, he was earlier on in the year. Um, I need Jacob Truba to be a hell of a lot better. Again, if he's hurt, sit. But if he's not, start playing better because mm-hmm. his play started to rub off on Keandre Miller, who's made a lot of those uh, you know rookie mistakes that he was making last year in the first half and in the year before that as a rookie. So he needs to be better. Um, I, I need more from Benny Trocek, and I need more from Alexi Lafreniere. But the guy who I'm really happy with, who I think is just going to break out any day now, I think the, the points have been there recently. I, 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 I think the floodgates are going to open real soon if he continues it, is Capo Caco. Capo Caco has done everything he can to help this team win games. He's played great defensively. He's an absolute monster along the boards. I mean, he's showing those the confidence in his moves. You could see it when he's cutting back out into the open and driving to the you know the, the high danger and the dirty areas. Just needs to shoot the puck a little more. That's the only thing I would ask for him is just shoot the little uh, shoot the puck a little more, and just be more confident with that. The way, same way that I get on Matt Barzal for. So, uh, you know, Capo Caco looks great. Filipino looks great. Um, and keep 
keep Ryan Reeves and Ryan Carpenter out of the lineup. Just please. Because that fourth line with Goudreau, uh, Blay, and um, Gauthier looked really, really good against Detroit. So I, I, wanted, I would keep that line together until you make a move and, and have a reason to force one of those guys out. Well, the one thing that Capococco and Filipito have are uh, healthy teeth, right, Anthony? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah. That, 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 that absolutely kills me, by the way. We're going we're to get more on that. We'll, we'll talk about that when uh, Q&A starts up. But, Anthony, your thoughts on the Rangers' recent hot streak? Well, uh, not hot streak. I mean, <laughs> last I, I week. Think, I think that this that – this, um, trip coming up is, is certainly make or break. Uh, you know, you, they're playing a Ducks team who has, ready for this, zero, zero regulation, regulation wins. wins. Zero regulation wins. If, if you lose to that team, that's an embarrassment. Um, San Jose, even though they, you know, they beat a good Vegas team 5-2 and, they, and they've had some, you know, impressive, impressive wins, they're, they're still a team that you have to beat. Um, you know, and then L.A. and Seattle, give them credit. They're playing good hockey right now, especially Seattle. Um, so those are the two toughest games of the trip, but I agree with Phil. You, you, you really need to be three and one coming off this, coming off this trip based, based on, based on who they're playing. Um, so they have a little bit of an opportunity here to pick up points. Uh, I'm not saying San Jose or, or Anaheim would be cakewalks, but they're games that they should definitely win. Um, and then again, Seattle and LA will be a little tougher, but again, very winnable games. Um, you know, as, as for the Rangers overall, if you look at their their leaderboard, if you will, you know Panarin. You know, off, 20... but NHL Network has the Pacific Division on here, and the, the the goal differentials for the Sharks and the Ducks were minus ten and minus twenty five for the Ducks. Oh, that's sorry, Anthony. Go back to no. Um, if you look at the Rangers, their you know their stats: Panarin twenty two points in seven, 17 games, fantastic. You know Fox and Lafreniere of nineteen and seventeen, very good. Um, Criders, you know, I think he's got four, 14 and 14 points, 17 games. Uh, but after, after that, there's a drop off. They need to start getting, so that's what three, well, Trocek has 11 points. So after some of those three, fourth top forwards on the roster, where's the production from the rest of the roster? I mean, Philip Heedle, eight points, 11 games. He's actually looked really good and, and he's missed a bunch. So I won't include him in that, but the rest of the forwards, you, you need you need to produce. I mean, mm-hmm. Alexis Lafreniere he needs to he needs to start putting up points. Some of these other guys on the roster need to support these guys because you you can't you can't win when you only have three or four forwards being productive on a roster. It's just nope. really hard. They they have to they have to start. You know, Phil colluded to Kako. He's been great in every other area. He has. He's great along the boards. You can see the confidence, but. Again, at some point, regardless, you want to say okay. You want to be able to say okay more than well. He's just playing well. You want to start seeing the points. So yeah, you want to start, start seeing it on score sheet. Yeah, they need to start getting some support. Once that happens, I think they'll they'll take off. But right now, it's really really hard to win when you only have a couple of guys producing on a nightly basis. So I just want to see more more scoring out of the rest of their lineup. Um, and as far as their defense, I mean, I don't get me started on Jacob Truba. I mean, he's 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 been he's been really right, right. bad, and and that hurts that hurts a lot because um, he's your captain too. Chance, you know, you yeah. want to see your captain his play lead by example on the ice, um, and he's simply just been bad. Uh, there's really there's really no <laughs> no other way to put it. Um, 
he's been he's been real bad. Uh, so you know he needs to step up. Um, you know, and Ryan Lindgren, he's to me he's one of their best, one of your best all around defensemen. He's a warrior. He plays hard every night. And when he's out of the lineup, you can see what it does to the rest of their defense. But you know what? Again, golden opportunity on this West Coast trip to really get back to the point where they are contending, you know, for first or second in the division. Well, I look at the same trip that Toronto pulled, uh, I think it was about a month ago, and they went 0-2-2. The Rangers cannot do that. They no. cannot afford to do that because even though we're going to talk about the Maple Leafs and Bar Talk in a minute, just want to say that to you guys, uh, the it's they, they definitely can't do that. And why 3-1 and one really needs to be more of what they need instead of, let's say, 2-1-1 one and one is because they just pissed away a point last week. They had a two-goal third-period lead. You can't be giving away points in this league, especially they gave away two. They didn't give away one. And in, in a way, they gave away three because it was their division rival. But we'll get on that in a minute. And I'm yeah. just going to talk about this when we wrap this up. Panarin's a negative eight of minus eight. There is no reason for him to be that bad at five on five. And, and he's yeah. got to be better. You know what? The points are coming on the power play. That's great. But he's got to be better overall five on five. And again, one thing that this team has in common from last year is not just slow starts or anything like that. It's it's the fact that they're almost devoid of production at the right wing position. They are not getting production. And as Anthony said before, you cannot win with four of your top six forwards scoring. They found a way to do it last year because Igor was Superman for the first half of the year, or, well, for all the year. But, I mean, he needed to be for Superman for the first half of the year. But you need right-wing production. So if they're not going to get that, then a move is going to have to be made sooner than later with this team. Because what they're doing right now is not sustainable in terms of winning games unless Igor goes back into God mode like last year. So, as, yeah, right. as Pete, as And, and right now, it doesn't seem to be on the horizon. Anthony? Well, the last thing I was going to add was that when they played the game against Nashville, I saw a lot of people criticizing Halak. Uh, he was not the problem that problem. He wasn't the problem at all that game. Not that uh, game. The first that, goal, I would say, was weak. Yeah. But, I mean, he wasn't the problem overall. Overall, what I'm, he has, his save percentage is 883, and he's 0-4-1. Um, you, 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 need, you need better output from your backup goalie. Yeah. You do. You do. Yeah. All right, uh, Phil, what are you looking for uh, specifically on this trip? I want fast starts. I, I, I want I want 60-minute efforts or the closest you could possibly get to a full 60-minute effort. And they have shown you that they can play 60 minutes in a game. We've seen it twice this year, and we've seen it against a good team and then a, a team that's kind of floundering right now that was good at the time. So there's no reason why this team can't come out and give you an inspired effort and, and really start revving it up offensively and, and, and playing some good defense. I, I, need, I need more out of Jacob Trouba. You wanted that captaincy? Now play like you have it. Play like a leader. Go out there and lead by example. And, and, and that's, that's one of the biggest things I've seen with Gallant is that he doesn't hold the right people accountable. Start holding Jacob Trouba accountable for his play because mm-hmm. if he's not going to play well, then you know what? Sit, sit and, and send a message here. So I, and that's what I want to see. I want to see accountability. I want to see, I want to see hustle. I want to see passion. I want to see fire. 
Well, what do you guys think? We want to know what you guys think. How are the Rangers going to do on this road trip? What do you think about the Islanders and their recent play? Throw it all down in the comments below. We got a lot more that we're getting to, and we have to talk about the Hall of Fame inductees of last of this year, I should say. I don't want to say in last Monday, but that's not right. Uh, by the way, guys, do you realize this is the first time in God knows how long every inductee that can't that went in on the player side, zero Stanley Cups. Not a one. Wow, yeah. That that was something I, I thought about and I was uh, getting on that one. So that's been some of my thoughts on those. The Hall of Fame inter- um, in, inducted Daniel and Hendrick Sedin, Roberto Luongo, Daniel Alfredson. Um, I'm not going to even try with that name. Herb Carnegie, Bill Clement, and Al Morganti. Guys, what were your thoughts on the inductees? And uh, Anthony, we'll start with you. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really have too many issues with it. I mean, the Sedins, no issue there. They, they were, they were great players. Um, I mean, very, very unique is how often do you see, uh, well, a set of identical twins play their whole career with each other and have, you know, similar numbers and just be in lockstep with each other their whole career and being great people off the ice and, um, putting up elite numbers. I mean, you don't, it's, they're, they're a case that you'll probably never see again. Um, it's well-deserved. Uh, they didn't get a cup, but, you know, they went to the finals. Uh, they lost to Boston that year. Um, so no issues there. And, and Daniel Albertson, he's he's a great player. There's, there's there's no doubt about it. And what we were talking about in our, our group text was that I was just surprised to see a guy like, in you know, Pierre Turgeon, who has Albertson, you know, beat in every single category, uh, is not in, but yet Daniel Alfredson gets in. So it's not that I have a problem with Alfredson. And we got more players in. that have been snubbed for a while. I don't, by the I, I don't have a problem with Alfredson getting in. Getting in over a guy that I think should have been in, in ahead of him, that's that's the bone that I that I have to pick with it. But Daniel Alfredson was a great player for Ottawa. I mean, he, he was huge on those teams in the early to, you know, early, yeah, early to mid-2000s. Um, great player. Uh, you know, wasn't wasn't afraid to, you know, get in the dirty area. Uh, and he had a lot of skill too. Um, but again, I, I just think when you look at a guy and, you know, Wicked actually just mentioned McGillney, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but McGillney, Turgeon, I mean, some of these guys I think deserve to be in before Alfredson got in, but overall, congratulations to all of them. Uh, Roberto Luongo too. I didn't touch on great goalie. Um, it's all well-deserved great careers, but sometimes it, you know, you, you scratch your head and wonder, you know, how some of these things happen in, in order, I guess you could say. Uh, by the way, everybody, uh, we're going to be poking a little bit fun at Anthony in a moment when we talk about Roberto Alongo in the bar talk. Phil? Uh, yeah, um, I was shocked that Alfredson got in a bit. Um, I, I think because of the Olympic gold, I think that's really a big reason why he's getting in is because he's one of the – he's the number two – scoring player all time among Swedish born forwards. So that's probably a big factor as well. He had 1100 points. I know he's not really close to a point per game, but um, when you look at the the player itself, you got to ask, where was he in terms of, you know, rankings amongst like his generation during his time? Was he one of the top 10 best players during his time? I think Alfredson was probably in like his peak years was probably right outside the top 10 in mm. terms of best players in the game at the time. So I think that might be part of it too. Um, I, 
I, I respect the player. Uh, I, I, am I his biggest fan? No, I, I don't dislike him at all, but I was just, I was never a huge Daniel Alfredson fan. I always admired his game because he was really smart and he was just a pain in the neck. Every time he played the Rangers, it seemed like he was scoring against them. So um, I, I can see the case for it, but I also can see the case against it and why, you know, people would be mad that guys like McGillney and Turgeon and Roenick haven't made it, but Alfredson yet has. So, again, I, I get both sides there. Luongo absolutely deserved it. Um, fourth all-time in wins. Um, just incredible goalie. Uh, one of the three best goalies of his generation. I would say his generation is the, the Lundqvist, um, you know, Price, um, that, that generation flurry. flurry. I, I, I would put Luongo right behind Lundqvist as, as the two best goalies of their generation. So, that that's just me. Um and uh, it's funny enough, you mentioned Pat Verbeek because uh, Pat Verbeek is somebody that I actually mentioned in the group text yesterday when we were talking about this. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like um, I like the Sedins getting in because one of them, there's an MVP and scoring titles within them. So they have individual hardware. They have that Olympic gold from 2006. Um, they're two of the better Swedish born players of all time. And, you know, a lot of the plays that we see going back and forth, those those short give and go passes is because of the Sadiqs. They they revolutionized that. They were really the first duo that could really do that in tight as well as they could. So um, I, I'm OK with the Sadiqs there. Um, I mean, Herb Carnegie definitely deserved it. I don't I don't know how it took this long to get Herb Carnegie in there in the builder category. Um, so that, that to me is kind of baffling. And then there, there's um, another name I'm going to mention in a minute. That's baffling me that it, he's still not in in a second, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, but definitely, um, definitely, uh, I, I like Al Morgani too. I, I, I love mean, Al Morgani. Yeah. I mean, for, for, I mean, for me, he was one of the guys that was always all over ESPN's broadcasts. Mm -hmm. So it, it's good that they recognized him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy for him. He deserved that too especially as someone who obviously aspires to be in hockey media. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like this class. I, I, I really don't have any problems with it, and I'm happy for all these guys. Congrats. You all, you all deserved it. So, and I, I do have to say, I kind of said it to you guys before we went on. I'm like, Bill Clement, they're just putting him in now? Everything yeah, that he's I, been, I don't get that. I don't yeah, get why I mean, put that one for, for him For either. all that, and by the way, Pete, uh, you're stealing an answer from me. Give me a second. But I, I guess, you know what? I'll have, to, I'll have to throw it up there now so that way I can get it out there. Because who's been snubbed by the Hall for too long? And I'm going to have to give my answer, which is supposed to be a surprise answer, but Stan Fischler. Yeah. How the hell is Stan Fischler not in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's, and the funny that's, part about Stan Fischler is he's, he's okay with it. He's like, I'm in the, yeah. I'm in the USA hockey hall of fame. I mean, Sam Fischler has got about easily 60 years of reporting on hockey. If not 70. It's yeah. just, uh, I, I just don't get it. When you, when you think of hockey historians, um, Stan Fischler is probably one of the top three hockey historians you're going to think of. Um, uh, what's his name in Montreal? Um, Stubbs, Dave, Dave Stubbs. Yeah. He's another one. I mean, we interviewed him, Anthony, on uh, off the post. I think no, was it no, no, it was it was uh, the other show, not um, yeah, not off the yeah. post. 
So we we, we interviewed we interviewed Stan Fischler on and we interviewed Stan Fischler. Yeah. So I, I mean, look at this over one hundred books. Yeah. One hundred books. Yeah. Like that, that's crazy. But um, I I totally agree with Stan Fischler. Um, yeah, I mean, I I saw a comment from Pete before about you talking to him about Pat Verbeek constantly. I mean, yeah. for me, if if Joe Newendike's in the Hall of Fame. And, and so is Daniel Alfredson. Now, why is Pat Verbeek not in the Hall of Fame? Why? I think that's a guy that needed one Stanley Cup to really kind of uh, cement but the, but it's Okay, so but it's the Hockey Hall of Fame, not 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 the NHL Hall of Fame. Which we're going to get more on that in a moment as well. And, 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 and if, I'm, if I'm correct, if I'm correct, Pat Verbeek was on the 87 Canada Cup team? I, I, I believe so. if, if that if that's if I'm correct, that would so. have been around the time that we did the what if about the Devils, and that I think he had a he had a four goal game, and I think Mueller had like a hat trick in that game or something. Like there was something outrageous. He he's got uh, World Junior Bronze for Canada in '83, uh, World Championship Silver for Canada in '90 uh, or in '89. And then uh, a world championship gold in '94, uh, and he was on the silver medal uh, winning team in Canada for the World Cup of Hockey in '96. So, yeah. By the way, I forgot who they they uh, lost to win the silver against. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. That that was a that's really good U.S. team. And yes, Pat Verbeek was on the '99 Stars, so he yeah. has. Oh, killed. that's right. Yeah, he was on the '99 Stars, so he does have a cup. Yeah, so I, uh, I, know, uh, that first. I always forget about him on that team, but and that's just oh, by the way, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, wasn't he on the 02 Red Wings? Uh, no, he was on the 2000 Red Wings. Uh, he retired, I believe, after that. Uh, all right, I thought he had the uh, I thought he had the 02 Cup with the Red Wings because when they decided to just no, he went, he went back to Dallas actually for 02. That was his last year in the NHL, was 02 with the Stars. He was with that, uh, Detroit for uh, 2000 and 2001, and then he uh, he went back to Dallas. So, but we we did touch on guys Ronick and McGillney. Those guys are trailblazers. I don't understand and how Alexander McGillney's not in. That, we're I, gonna I mean, probably double that in a moment. But uh, what about a guy like Keith Kachuk? How is he not in? Five hundred goals, an American uh, uh, born player. I I think he's got. Trying to remember where he ranks on the on the American goal scorers because there aren't that many Americans with over 500 goals. Donato, uh, Ronick, Mullen, Kachuk, um, the first ever winner of the Rocket Rashard Trophy. Yeah, no, he's yeah. not. I mean, not the five, Rocket Rashard. No, he he he's the. I believe he's the first ever American to win the goal scoring title uh, in the modern era, but not. Um, but he didn't. He didn't win the inaugural Rocket Rashard. All right, then. Then he was one of the last players before they they announced it. Because remember NHL Power Play in the late '90s, where he endorsed it. I was named after a goal being scored, and you just heard the kachuk as he shot it in you the would, net. You would think that 538 goals and over a thousand points is good enough. Is good enough to get in. Um, you know that that's those are you know two pretty important benchmarks. But, and also an important uh, international career. Yeah. Well, I guess there's still time. We'll see. Yeah. 
No, uh, but you, I, when I again, where do you rank the player at his peak in his peak years and his prime years in terms of his peers? Keith Kachuk, for me, you definitely got to be a top ten player in his peak years. Yeah. I mean, he won a goal scoring title in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, to me, I, I don't get why. I mean, I mean again, uh, World Cup of Hockey Gold in 1996. Uh, silver medalist in 2002. In and that was a great team. That was a great team. Like, so, people forget about got, that. Everybody wants, to, two, everybody wants to discount Salt Lake. Sorry, Anthony. He's got two 50-goal seasons, too. Yep. Um, no. So I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. And he how did it in an era it. when you didn't get 50 goal seasons. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, guys, let's just finish up on this segment. Next season, here are the first timers that are going in Henrik Glunquist, Justin Williams, Jay Bomeister, uh, Corey Crawford, and Brent Seabrook. By the way, Justin Williams, thank you very much for torturing me. I have never hated my own name more than every time that you scored en route to winning the Conn Smythe. Guys, and Anthony, I'll start with you. Who are you putting in the Hall of Fame next year? On that list, uh, I would say... And even the people that aren't in. Henrik Lundqvist um, on that list, I think, you know, should get in for sure. Um, Then I'd put in Pierre Turgeon and Alex Animal Gilney. I think it's about time those two get in. Um, but you know, Jay Bomeister and Corey Crawford, Justin Williams, Brent Seabrook. I mean, those guys got cups and I know sometimes Stanley cups are, can what get you in ultimately, but I don't know. I don't know individually if they've, if they've done enough to, to get in otherwise. So that one. That one's a little tough for those guys. I mean, not bad players. I mean, they were all integral players to those, you know, their respective teams. But, um, I get, you know, the thing with Crawford they're going to look at is Peaches, right? He's got three cups. So they may look at that and be like, you know, three Stanley Cups is impressive and, and throw them in there. But I don't – me personally – he's only got two because he, he, well, he wasn't on the 2010 team, right? He might um, he, I think he was the backup. I think to, he was the backup to the Emmy. Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure. So right, no, yeah, I, I, I mean, for me personally, I'm putting in Hank Mogilny and Terjan. All right, Phil, who are you putting in next year? Um, uh, I gotta add to those three, and I gotta put Jeremy Roenick in. Finally, I, I don't understand Absolutely. how Jeremy Roenick is not in the yeah. Hall of Fame. I mean, he's 513 career goals. He's top um, – I believe he's top three all-time in goals by American-born forwards. Um, uh, in terms of points, I, I'm pretty sure he's also top three. Uh, Roenick had several point-per-game seasons. He had back-to-back-to-back 100-point seasons. He's one of the uh, the last players to do that, not named Connor McDavid uh, or, or, you know, or Sidney Crosby. Actually, Sidney Crosby never even did that in his career. He actually he fell short because of injuries. He would have uh, 06, 07, and then 08, he was short. Um, but you know what? Jeremy Roenick needs to be on that list because he was also, in, at, at his peak, Jeremy Roenick was absolutely one of the top 10 best players in the NHL. 
you, you could maybe even make a case for top five in the early 90s. So um, I, I definitely think that Roenick deserves to be in there. Alexander McGillney's a trailblazer. And, and I'll, I'll say this, trailblazers, provided that there's a decent body of work, trailblazers should all get in because they open up doors for so many other people. And even if you don't want to put them in as players, you put them in as builders because they're building something with what they're doing. And to, to me, Alexander McGillney was the first to defect. He, he opened up the doors for everybody else. Well, he technically wasn't the first to defect from, from Russia, but I mean, he was really the first Russian to kind of, you know, get over there. Peter Stastny, of course, mm -hmm. defected, but he was a Czech-born player and there were different circumstances. But McGillney, his experience, you've, you've got to, you got to look up the, uh, the documentary on him and, and, and check that out because his story is something else. And What's he story? opened up a lot for Russian born players. If it wasn't for Alexander McGilney, uh, I, I don't even know who we'd have over here right now. What's funny about that, Phil, is that that documentary definitely is a lot shorter than the time he spent in the trunk of the car trying to, to defect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many hours, how many hours was he in that? that I, 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 I keep forgetting the number on that. So, I mean, thank you very much, Mike. Corey Crawford, by the way, only has two cups. He has okay. two Jennings trophies, two cups. Yeah, Cristobal uh, Huey was the uh, backup goalie for Niemi. Yeah. You know, when, and, when, you, when you talk about uh, – Mark, I'm sure you want, you want to get the bar talk, but um, when, you, when you talk about Hall of Fame and you start to think about, like, what, what ifs. And, you know, I, I know this player is not a Hall of Famer, but – if he played longer, you think what would have happened? So Ziggy Palfi, 713 points in 600 and 684 games. Um, you got to think if he played, let's say, 1,200 games at the way he played and his point per game total, you got to think, you know, would he have been a, a Hall of Famer? Um because again, and a Slovakian not, too. How many Slovakians? Pretty, one, of, one of the three Islander players I've ever liked while they were on the Islanders. Because those are pretty impressive. Even his last year in the league, when his back was shot, forty-two points, forty-two, in 42 points games for Pittsburgh. Games. And um, that was just a bad Pittsburgh team too. Yeah, that that lost Mario Lemieux, I think, after what the first month of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was sorry. when Sidney Crosby's rookie season, if I recall correctly. I yes, think they had John yeah. LeClaire on that team as well. Yes, yeah. and Mark Recchi. Yeah, and Mark Recchi. Well, because Mark Recchi had to play everywhere, and he had to go back to all of his teams. If Mark Recchi didn't play for uh, a team twice, did he ever play for that team? Like, <laughs> he played for the Flyers at least three different times, I think. Um, But there's there's there are a lot of good names on there, and again, I, I think we set them all. Ronick for me, I would put in Henrik Lundqvist easily. Um, you know, Vinny Danfoos, I, I think he's a bit of a compiler. I think that's the problem with Vinny Danfoos. He's always a second-line center. Now, when you talk about guys like, say, like Pierre Turgeon, Pierre Turgeon is almost the ultimate what-if player because all of us can look at Pierre Turgeon's career and put a line after that Dale Hunter hit. And he was – he he wasn't – the same i don't agree with that i, I really good. i don't i really don't agree with that all right so that year was a big offensive spike for a lot of players across the league now he was 132 in points 132, i think that was 132 yeah i don't think he was ever going to replicate 132 ever again i mean he only had one other 100 point season and that was 106 
1990. But, I mean, he had some damn good years after that. 1993 was probably the last – well, maybe yeah. 96, you could argue. But the I, last I great agree, offensive I year agree in the NHL. Stoke. I don't I don't think the hit on – you know, because that following year he had 90-something points. Then when he played – In only 69 he games, he had 94 points. Yeah, and then he had 96 points for Montreal a few years later. So he in '96, he was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the Renaissance. And then in, you know, and then in '90 in '97 he had 85, and then he had another real big bounce back year in 2001, which again was a, a, an increase in offense uh, in 2001. That was a, a, a kind of an that was with Dallas, right? Uh, no, oh, St. Um, Louis. Oh, okay. Because I know he finished his career with Dallas. I couldn't remember. Uh, what year it was, but all right. So guys, who's not in the hall of fame that you want to get in? Uh, who is a, who's a good, what if player you were talking about? Anthony brought up a great question. I have to ask, uh, have to ask you guys about that one. Who's, who's a player you think if not for injuries was a hall of famer. Uh, yeah. Ziggy Poffy. How about this? Mike Richter. There you go. I asked why Mike Richter isn't in right now, but that's, that's just me. Um, and I know, so, Maybe. So you know what, there's a, there's a, there's a case for Mike Richter, if, if not for the injuries and then the Rangers not knowing how to build a defense in front of him either. Ah, but Philk, guess what? Mike Richter's name is going to be coming up again in a moment. First, mm. we're going to clear out of all these. Uh, let's hide the ticker and we're going to do some bar talk. Yeah. Uh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Oh, I know it's there. Yeah. I was actually trying to get there. Here we go, guys. Yeah. Shot. This is the easiest I've ever to answer. I'm gonna say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually gonna go crazy. I'm gonna buy everybody around on this one. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we are doing or gauging. <laughs> We are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drinks. Brain fart right there, everybody. Are you so confident? You're going to buy everybody around. Are you just feeling so, so I'll have a beer or, oh my God, just give me a shot, please. I, I need a shot so badly on this one. Play along in the comments down below. Let's see you guys put them in. By the way, once again, reminder, I still have a couple more of these big apple hot. Actually, you know what? I'm not sure if I do. Let's just take that off. Um, <laughs> Philk, we got to go with you first on this one. The New York Rangers line juggling will lead to actual chemistry eventually. I'm going to say beer just because I'm only, I'm hopeful. Uh, line juggling doesn't always seem to work. It's, it's a risky strategy because you, players need time to acclimate with one another. It's not like the Sedins, speaking of line juggling and chemistry, that, you know, you just have just instant chemistry with someone like that. Like I remember the first time I played with Anthony, Anthony and I really kind of hit it off and we played very well together, but it, it was just like, sometimes you have that and sometimes you don't and line juggling really doesn't help. So I, I'm going to say beer here. Anthony. I'm going to go beer. Um, you know, sometimes putting the lines in a blender can, can work because you, you kind of strike gold when you, you find, you know, two guys that, that just click or even three guys as a whole that click. Um, and, but sometimes it can kind of get you all out of, you know, disarray a little bit. So, um, you know, it's happened before. Uh, so I'll go, I'll go beer. 
I'm going to go beer on this one, too. First off, let me just say, uh, during our Rangers season preview, Philk actually had this long story about him and Anthony and how their chemistry was working. So then people were screaming, somebody stop Ovechkin. But, um, oh, yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I do have to say so. I, I do have to say this. Game. Maybe, yeah. maybe this finally will end up with Philip Heedle and Artemi Panarin together because th- the strength of Trocheck and Kako c- it could be at least uh, cycling and grinding it out. Heedle is more. I'm going to find the open area, get open, and get a goal. So maybe that'll work with that. Perfect timing because a guy on the trade block is Bo Horvat. The New York Islanders should go after Bo Horvat, even though he's a center. Anthony, you know I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go round. I know a lot of you know say scoring wing. Mentioned Patrick Kane, Tarasenko, your prototypical wings that can snipe. But um, as you saw in the offseason, you know Lou came this close to signing Kadri, who was a center. So it just goes to show he doesn't really care what position the guy plays. If he thinks that the, he's gonna make the team better, you know he'll do it and. Uh, the interesting about Bo Horvat is that sh- the game where Cal Clutterbuck got hurt and they were down a forward where Lane Lambert put Lee, Nelson, and Barzell together, for the few shifts they had, they they dominated out there. Um, could lead credence to you get Bo Horvat, you know, you, you, he's he's has so many options that of line configurations. They can put Nelson with Barzell and, you know, not to mention causing a matchup nightmare with having another center in addition to Horvat in the lineup. So, um, you know, he's a guy that would certainly move the needle. Uh, he's, 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 uh, on pace to really have a better year than last year, which was a career year for him where he had 31 goals. Uh, he's 27 years old, you know, kind of fits long-term. So I would absolutely love to get Bo Horvat. Um, he'd be a tremendous ad. So, you know, I'll go round. The only thing that hesitant is on the cost. He's going to, you know, probably <laughs> command a pretty penny with the way he's playing right now. Philk? Um, I, I, I would say round because the Islanders need a goal scorer. Um, whether or not they'll actually do it is another story just because of the fact that I, I think they would have to give up a significant portion of what they have left in their farm system to get him. And that to me is a big problem, but I mean, he's the type of player that they absolutely need. Um, I just wonder how they fit him in cap wise after this season, because you're going to lose Mayfield. I mean, you're going to lose Varlamov's hefty contract as a backup goaltender, which which will help. But you're going to lose Mayfield, so you're going to have to replace him. And then Oliver Wallstrom's due for a raise on top of that. So that that five point five million or so that they gain in space is probably going to be chewed up by a lot of that. Yeah, I'm actually only going to go beer because we mentioned the other options. I think the Islanders need a trigger man. I think they need a Vladimir Tarasenko, and then they're really dangerous. And watch out for that. And once that happens, because I think they got guys that could be a Bo Horvat. They got like Brock Nelson's a great center. Uh, you got Barzell that's there. You got you got JG Pajot who's your matchup center and a great matchup center at that. Thank you for uh, that twenty seventeen playoff game, JG. Still, I hold a grudge he, he about that. Oh, he cannot go a segment without bringing up JG Pajot and bringing it up. Because <laughs> yeah. it still, it still yeah. hurts. That's what it is. Also, I had to kill another 10 minutes. Otherwise, I had to go on. Guys, by the way, there is a great soundbite that happened yesterday. And I'm actually going to have to change that background for it and get the timer on. Let's go to that soundbite right over here. 
what can the Devils do to gain a little bit more consistency throughout those full 60 minutes? I mean, we're on a nine-game heater. I'd say we're doing okay. <laughs> All right. So what is the question that she asked? She what said, did? what do the Devils have to do better to get or to, to get tighter, to get better in those situations? So Jack Hughes, of course, comes back with the we're on a, a nine-game heater, so I guess we're doing okay, which it's 10 now, by the way. Yeah. Jack Hughes and the Devils aren't getting enough respect. And I'm going to start the timer. And I'm also going to say, guys, I got to buy everybody around. And it's really that we're waiting for the wheels to fall off. But we also should appreciate what they've been doing. Um, I'm not a believer still. I'm just still not. Um, it's uh, I'm Lindy Ruff kind of tends to go pedal to the metal with his offense. I they're they're right now on their third string goaltender. Uh, uh, what is it? Schmied is that? Isn't that like uh, Captain Hook's uh, second in command, or it's something like that? But I mean, it's just I'm not a believer on it. Let's see what they're doing though. Uh, Everybody's got to stay healthy. Keep doing what they're doing. Jesper Bratt though, gotta sing his praises. He's doing amazing. Filk. Uh, I'm going to say beer just because of the fact that, again, I'm not a believer in them either. Um, they do deserve some respect for what they're doing, but I mean, they're, they're not beating great, great teams in this. Uh, I mean, again, they, they, they beat Detroit six to two. Detroit's not really a great team. The Rangers scored six goals in one period on them. That should tell you all you need to know about them. Colorado was out without, um, uh, Landis Gog and Nichushkin. And they beat them one nothing. They beat the crap out of Columbus seven to one. Beat the crap out of Vancouver five to two. Edmonton's an up and down team. I mean, McDavid and Drysaitel could help them, but they're not a great team all around. Calgary is the one team that sticks out to me. Okay, like they beat Calgary and they beat them in two close games. That's impressive. Ottawa, not a great team. They went to overtime with them. Arizona four to two. Montreal five to one. I mean, they're not they're not consistently beating the top tier teams in the league. It's not like they're going around beating Boston or um, you know Seattle or something like that. Even Seattle, I'm not really a believer on right now. But I'm just thinking of teams that are playing well. They're not beating Carolina five to two or five to one. So uh, I'm gonna say beer. Anthony, um, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go round. I mean, I agree with Philk a lot in the sense that, they, you know, they haven't beat too many great teams. But when you win 10 in a row in this day and age, that's still pretty impressive, uh, regardless of who they're playing. You know, that's a lot of it's a lot of consistency. And that's, you know, it, you don't really see it too often. Um, and it's getting to the point where, you know, where you win 10 in a row, you, you put so many points in the bank. You almost get to the point where, like you're really giving yourself a really good shot to make the playoffs unless you completely fall apart. So what the Devils are doing now is giving them a real, real strong shot of actually making the playoffs this year. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, they got exciting players in Hughes and Bratt. Um, you know, Sharon Govich is playing well. I got to I gotta give it to them. They're, they're playing really well, and I think sometimes they still get overlooked. And just to conclude with this, the Devils have coming up at Toronto tomorrow. Uh, sorry, home for Toronto tomorrow night. No, it's at Toronto, at Toronto, at Ottawa, home for Edmonton, home for Toronto, at Buffalo, home for Washington, and home for the uh, at the Rangers to close out the month of November. Uh, I'm still not sure if we're going to be fully bought in, but we're going to have to buy in sooner than later. All right, guys. And by the way, I never flashed that the Devils are currently on a 10-game winning streak, even though we said it a lot. 
Another team that's always talked about, the Toronto Maple Leafs. 5-2-3 and three in their last 10. Maple Leafs have fixed their problems. Anthony. I mean, beer, I, I think – I don't think any of us ever doubted that they would, you know, make the playoffs. I think they have too much of a talented team not to. So, yeah, they're playing well right now. But, again, what, they'll make the playoffs and then fade out <laughs> like always? So, I mean, beer. Phil. <laughs> Shot because they're, they're – their problem is not, you know, regular season wins. Their problems are, are the playoffs, and that that's really their problems. And, yeah, they were in a little bit of a slump there, and that happens from time to time. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm going to say shot because there's nothing about this team that I've seen where I will get them over the hump in the, in the playoffs. So, shot. Uh, I'm going to go with shot as well. Uh, the reason why is because I'm still doubtful on their goaltending. I can't help but be doubtful on their goaltending. And even though their goaltending really hasn't been that much of a problem, I mean, Matt Murray made his second start of the season last night and beat his former team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not sure if that's his first team he played at Pittsburgh. Uh, his first time he played at Pittsburgh either. So I got I would love to look that one up. I wish I would have known that before I just said something. But it's, I, I mean, I just, I don't see it with Toronto. Now you're going to lose Jake Muzzin? potentially for the entire season. And I wish him the best because back injuries are not anything that is, is anything to joke around about. So I, I hope he's going to be all right. Philk Sharks GM, Mike Rear said they'll listen to offers. If teams inquire about Eric Carlson, the Sharks will move Eric Carlson this season. I'm going to say round because I, I think if the the time to do it is now, I mean, before he gets any older and I, I really, you're going to have to cash in on a guy that has what, like over 10 goals as a, as a defenseman already. I, I mean, he's leading all defenders and scoring the last I checked, but he's having a renaissance here. And actually, I don't even know if you can call this a renaissance year because he's having a year like he's never had before. 10 goals and 24 points in 18 games. That's ridiculous. Those are forward numbers, not defenseman numbers. Usually defenders, that number looks like five five or six goals right now and uh, 18 assists. It's like six goals and 18 assists for 20, 24 points in 18 games. But these look like forward numbers, what he's doing. And he's doing it on a team that's really a bottom feeder. They're not, they're not playing well. They don't have a good coach, obviously. But um, Carlson's really having a year of years, so they they have to move him this year. I don't. It's it's got to be around. If they don't, they they screw the pooch there. Uh, I am going to go with beer. I mean, I think you're right about it. I think they better do it now. I'm gonna look at these numbers that are pretty much to use your term forward like in a different way. You have eleven point five and. That's what you're paying for 11.5 million through 2027. If they move them this year, the San Jose is going to have to eat 50% of that money. They're going to get a sweetheart deal back because you're basically saying us eating the 50%. If you get them in his prime the next two years, then at least that gets, that takes away from any of like bad seasons he might have towards the end. He's healthy right now. Oh, he, yeah. and, 
he appears to be back. I mean, I, I you got to like the way he's playing. If this is the Ottawa Eric Carlson, everybody's going to get in line for him. And 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 if you're San Jose, you would eat that money easily because you could go. We just got six point five million dollars. We could do with anything, anything, because Eric Carlson is going to be worth nothing to them pretty soon. So I, I just I think they're going to have to move him, and that's just what that's going to have to be. Um, five point seven five million to eat over the the next. One, two, three, four years. I, I mean, that's tough. That's the only reason why I would I would think that this is that it could not happen. But um, and yeah. currently they have twenty seven thousand in cap space. But if I'm telling you, if they eat five point five million, that's a player. I don't, I don't know if they're going to eat that eat fifty percent on it. I, I could see them eating maybe twenty five percent. And, and and making it a manageable because if Eric Carlson is still playing at a near point per game pace as a defensive, let's just say he's putting up like 60 points a year going forward. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's still really good. And that's worth, uh, I would say maybe about eight, 9 million at that point. So, I mean, that, that, that's more feasible, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, even still that. eating $3 million every single year, that's going to help a lot too. Yeah, and that's going to be more doable for a team like San Jose. So, Phil, uh, actually, I'm going to pull Anthony out for right now, but I'll leave him in. Uh, he'll get back in in a second. Phil, last week we talked about the Rangers getting six goals on the Red Wings. They're 4 4 and 2 in their last 10. The Red Wings will not be in playoff contention. I, I, I didn't have a qualifier for it. So we'll we'll say the Rangers aren't sorry, the Rangers. The Red Wings aren't going to be a playoff team this year or in playoff contention. Yeah, that's got to be within ten points. Uh, all right. So are, are we asking if they're going to make the playoffs or or be a bubble team? A bubble team. I'm still going to seek beer. I, I still think they could turn things around and and, and get there. Um, making the playoffs is another story. That's going to be tough for them to do at this point. Uh, I, I I just they haven't taken the steps that I thought they would take. I mean, Lucas Raymond looks great. You have some other guys on that team like Mo, Mo, Mo Sider looks really good still, but he doesn't look as good as he did last year. If you ask me, and I figured that. Adding someone like Ben Sherratt would have helped him. Uh, but some of the guys that came to this team just haven't made the impact yet that I thought they were going to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like David Perron so far, 11 points in 16 games. You figured he'd be a little closer to a point per game. Dominic uh, D- Dylan Larkin is a point per game. Dominic Kubelik having seven Dominic Kubelik's playing great. Yeah, I, I don't know where he's got all that from, but that that's great. Um, but Lucas Raymond still playing good, but not as great as, as last year, if you ask me. And I, I need more out of some of the other guys. I need Michael Rasmussen to start, you know, taking the next step. Pia Suter hasn't really been great. Moritz Sider's got to put up more than five points, though. He, he's playing good defensively, but the offense just isn't there right now for some reason with him. So he, he's got to put up some more points. Which has been great for my fantasy team, by the way. Um yeah uh and uh phil i got i gotta go i gotta go beer on it too 
I, I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to have so many other problems because they still, they're still not tight defensively. And I don't think you could be a playoff contending team. If you're not at least somewhat good defensively, either you're so offensively smothering the other team can't get out of their own end or you're so good like defensively that you, nothing ever gets through to your goalie. And I, I just don't see Billy Huso. I mean, he might do what, what he, a, little, a little bit of what he did with uh, St. Louis last year, but uh, Alex Adelkovich has still never really recaptured that uh, that Your form. Magic, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully they're still good. Because look, Hockey Town, great city. Uh, I'd love to go see a game there one time. But yeah, uh, here's the here's the question. Anthony's back, so we'll bring. Good, Anthony's back. Who is Detroit passing in the Atlantic? And I, I honestly, looking at the, the schedules, now we lose Mark for a second. No, no, uh, just for a second. I had to pick up my pen. Nah, but, um, you know, looking at – I mean, Detroit's only one point behind the Rangers for the the last wild card spot, and they uh, have a game in hand on the Rangers. But I don't think they're passing any of the three teams that are in the Atlantic right now. In, in the standings. I, I just don't see it. Boston is is not going anywhere, apparently. They and they just got Chucky Brightlights back, so they're looking good. Toronto, they've seemed to, you know, get out of their slump. So they're 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 gonna be a consistent regular season team. They'll get their wins. And then Florida is still a very talented team as well. So I don't think they're passing any of those three teams. And then Tampa Bay is the the first wild card spot. So um I, I just don't think they're passing any of those teams. Yeah, and Tampa Bay looks like they're getting the house in order. Uh, Anthony, Detroit will not be in playoff contention this year. Uh, well, shot because I think they're not saying they're going to make it, just be in contention. I, I think they'll, I think they'll be in contention and be within shouting distance. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see them passing any of those teams either. But I think they will be, you know, at least you know competing. So that's why I say shot. All right. Anthony, by the way, I'm glad you came back and you came back at absolutely the right moment because I got we got to go back to the Hall of Fame talk. Two topics about the Hall of Fame, and then we're going to get to our QA. Roberto Luongo, 489 wins. And what I have to get on you about is seven of them with it were with the New York Islanders, and then 483, <laughs> uh, 82 after he left the Islanders. I still don't know what Mike Bilberry was thinking. We're going to get on that in a second. But the topic you're going to start with is Roberto Longo is the greatest player without a Stanley Cup. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say shot because I'm going to say Jerome McGinley is. And that's fair. That's fair with Jerome McGinley. Yeah. So yeah. now we got to get Philks on that one. Who's, who's the best goal, the best player not to win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Aginla is definitely up there for me. Um, I, I think the I, I, for me, the greatest to never win the cup, though, has got to be Marcel Dion. Oh, thank God you said that one. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you, you somebody else. Marcel Dion. I mean, he was the number two scorer of all time uh, upon his retirement. I believe he's four or fifth now, I think. In scoring all time, 
Uh, He's got to be either fifth or sixth. Owen Yager passed him. So did Francis, I believe. Oh, you're talking about scoring. Yeesh. Scoring, yeah. Oh yeah, I was going. I was just going with goal scoring. No, again, yeah. I mean, Dion's a, a, a 700 goal scorer too, I believe. Yes, so, he's one of. I think he's one of seven. Yeah, I, I mean, in my head right now. <laughs> Marcel Dion is is yeah, he's sixth all time. Ron Francis did pass him um, by about 27 points. Messier yeah. and Eisenman passed him too, right? Uh, no, Eisenman didn't pass him. Eisenman fell 16 points short. Um, Messier definitely passed him. Messier's third behind Yager with 1887. Mm. So, uh, for, for me, it, it's got to be Marcel Dion. If, if you look at the, the list, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, four time, uh, it says four time all star in hockey reference, but I'm, I think that might be four time, uh, first all star team. Um, Two-time Pearson winner. He won the 1980 Art Ross over Wayne Gretzky uh, based on more goals. Um, Two-time Lady Bing winner. I mean, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight 100-point seasons, and he probably should have had, uh, I would say, at least one more because he missed some games in 1984. But, I mean, he was just – He's easily the greatest player to never win a Stanley Cup for me. So I would say Jerome McGinley is probably number two. And then Roberto Luongo would probably, might be number three for me. Um, And I'm glad you said that because I want to say Henrik Gonquist. Maybe Henrik Gonquist be three. I'm not yeah. saying Henrik Gonquist, by the way. I'm going to so say, yeah. It's going to be a shot for me as well because now, because you said Marcel Dion and I don't have to, I could say Jumbo Joe. And Joe Thornton is up there as as one of the best that that never yeah. never won a cup, and yeah. unbelievable that he never won a cup. I, I still in disbelief about it. But I mean, after all, there are, there's somebody that was on Twitter just today that I just read their comments that they're saying, "Oh, I wouldn't uh, even say Hitter Gonquist deserves to be in the Hall of Fame." What? I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Williams, the sports are littered with guys that haven't won that were great because sometimes you get to have, you don't get the opportunity and sometimes you, 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 you make the most of your opportunity. That's two different things, but it's just, when it comes to that, don't, don't just say no championships. Because what I always love to do is I love to trap people and say, who's a better first baseman, Keith Hernandez or Don Mattingly, and wait for the Yankee fan to say Don Mattingly so I can go, well, he's got zero world championships to Hernandez's too, so your your reasoning is stupid right there. I don't put one ahead of the other, by the way. I don't. Another name that doesn't get talked about a lot in this conversation, and he's one of the very, very, very best passers to ever play the game is Adam Oates. Adam Oates. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I look at him like Thornton, like Thornton won that MVP in that scoring title in 06. That was his, like his his big, big year. But Adam Oates, I mean, he finished uh, third in points in 93 behind Lemieux, who had possibly the greatest season ever that year. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Pat LaFontaine, who had the greatest season by an American born player ever that year with Alexander McGillney's 76 goals in Buffalo. So um, I, I definitely want to put Adam Oates there. 
Um, Peter Stastny definitely belongs on that list as well. Uh, you know, Pete just mentioned. Oh, let me, let me throw in another one of you guys because we're talking about great players not in the Hall of Fame. You can't believe that they're not in the Hall of Fame. Curtis Joseph. Curtis, Curtis Joseph, Joseph, I said, should have been in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't, I don't understand it. He was, I think, fifth all time in wins upon retirement, and I, and I get it. I, I get why sometimes like people would not put him in there because. He doesn't have the Olympic gold. He doesn't have a Stanley Cup, and he doesn't have a Vezina. But Curtis Joseph was probably a top five goalie in the greatest generation of goaltending ever. And if he hadn't played in that generation, he probably would have won two Vezina trophies. Think about the guys ahead of him. Hasek, the greatest of all time. Patrick Waugh, my number two. Marty Brodeur, considered by some the the greatest of all time. Eddie Belfort was another Mm. one in that generation. I mean, th- th- that generation had so many great goaltenders. Tom Barrasso, Mike Vernon, John Van Beesbrook, Mike Richter. I mean, that that to me, that's the, the greatest goaltending generation ever. But, yeah. And it was also in a generation where goaltending techniques were changing. Yes. Like, that's the other thing, too. Butterfly goalies were Butterfly, becoming yeah. – Grant yeah, were... played into the 90s and played very good hockey in the 90s. Yeah. So – Anthony, can you give us one more that you look at and go, how does that guy, that guy never won a cup? Um, well, not really, because, I mean, his teams were never really that close. But, uh, you know, Shane Doan was a really good player that never won a cup. Shane Doan. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's- I, don't, I don't know if I could – I would put him a little further down the list. But that's because his teams were never good. But he also never put up big numbers, though. Like his best years were like a like a thirty goal, seventy point year. Yeah, and that's like, true. And yeah, and he was pretty consistent. Well, during a dead puck time. But I mean, all right. So, what about Dale Howarchuk? There's another one. Dale Howarchuk, fourteen hundred points. One of the very best players of an entire decade in the eighties. I, I mean, Whoa. Matt Sundin. I would put Matt Sundin before. Um, uh, before Shane Doan. Philk, so we're actually going to go on to the next the next topic so we can get the Q&A in, in shortly after this. Phil Housley. Which is same thing. Phil Housley, by the way, there's another one. First American 100 uh, to 1,000 points, I mean. Um, the Hockey Hall of Fame should only be pro hockey. Anthony, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, pro hockey is in what? Guys getting in who've played. Are you, what do you... NHL, I guess. NHL Hall of Fame. So it should just be NHL. NHL Hall of Fame. Or does it do a service by being the international game that it is? This is more of a discussion topic, but Uh, I'm in bar talk. All right. So we're we're not in a bar talk format. Um, No, I'm – no. I I think you're actually doing a game of disservice by limiting it to the NHL. Um, I, I've seen people call for Manon Rayon to be in there. And again, I, yeah. I, I think trailblazers yeah. should, should go in and what Manon Rayon has done for women's hockey should definitely be, um, acknowledged. I, yeah, I, I, I think that she's done a lot for women's hockey. I mean, if you look at her overall body of work, it, it's not, it's not great, but as somebody, again, like I said, the body of work is decent enough. And she's an absolute trailblazer and one of the biggest trailblazers of any woman that's that's ever played the sport. So I, I definitely think she deserves it. Um, 
and uh, and this con uh, this comment right here from THG is really good. You know, you got to recognize greats like Tradiac. Tradiac probably the best player to never play in the NHL. Yep, I I have to agree with you 100% on that one. Yeah, definitely. Easily the best player to never play in the NHL. I mean, if you want to put together a list of your your top like five, Tradiac's number one, and then if you wanna you want to look at like Boris Mikhailov. And, and Valerie Karlamov, who I think would have absolutely yeah. destroyed the NHL in the 70s if he played in the 70s and into the mm-hmm. 80s before his horrend- uh, awful car accident that took his life. But um, those are probably the top three to never play in the NHL, if you ask me. So, Anthony, you think it should be strictly pro hockey or you're doing the game a disservice? By not no, doing I agree. That. I agree. I agree with Phil. I think it should be for guys outside of the NHL because we just mentioned a lot of good examples. Tradiac being one of the best of those examples. And by the way, going with what I was kind of saying before, you this is where you can make the case Mike Richter gets in. Uh, three hundred wins during a time where three hundred meant something. Now it's four hundred is really the number. Um, so you have three hundred wins. Then you have the fact that he was an Olympian in 88, 98, and 2000. I, I'm pretty sure I'd have to look at this, but he's probably got the most wins for uh, an American goaltender in the Olympics. It's, I mean, he's, I could think of nine off the top of my head. Or sorry, eight, I mean. Um, so, I mean, th- it could be there. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say Mike Richter is like one of the best goalies of all time. No, I'm not. But it's just that's where you get guys. That's where you get some of these guys with international um, moments that get concerning. Phil, you talked about this with Turjan that he basically got blackballed from uh, Team Canada. So that came down to that incident in '87 where the Canadians and the Russians fought in that in that junior game where they had that big big brawl that broke out basically almost over the entire ice surface. Um, Turgeon was one of uh, less than a handful of players who didn't take part in that brawl. And he got a lot of backlash for that from Team Canada. And if if you look at the selections, I mean, when did Pierre Turgeon ever get selected for Team Canada? Like, he could have been there in 1996, but no, he he wasn't there for that. For some some reason – he wasn't he wasn't selected for that. And and to me, I mean, there's obviously no way to confirm it, but a lot of people would tell you that he got blackballed. He absolutely got blackballed. And I mean his international resume ends after that 1987 disqualification for that brawl. He had three goals in six games in that tournament. And there's just nothing after that. So um I, I think that does play a part of it with um the, the whole uh, Hall of Fame snub for Turgeon. But, um, again, you I, I really don't think you should cut people off at the NHL pass here. I, 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 don't think this, I don't think that helps anybody or anything. All right. I mean, it's fair enough. So, uh, Anthony, final word on this. What do you think? I think, simply put, if you're an outstanding hockey player, uh, no matter what league you know you play in, um, and are kind of a trailblazer as well, um, I think that should open the door for you to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't think there's a better 
closing sentence we probably could have come up with right there. So yeah. nice, nice. All right. Yeah. All right. So guys, that's going to conclude the big Apple hockey bar talk where we're going to uh, move on to questions and answers in a second, go around the league and some rumors. So thanks everybody for joining us on that. Let's go around. Um, what news are you guys hearing? Uh, Anthony, what are you hearing around the league right now? I mean, uh, not uh, not much. I know there was the, the GM meetings the other day, and they talked – Mike Greer was talking about um, if he'd be willing to move Eric Carlson. Uh, he said, obviously, Carlson has control of where he goes. So that's really, really upon him um, if he decided he wanted to go somewhere. I mean, if there was a team that was willing to take on some of that contract, if San Jose, you know, retained some salary, I think with the way he's playing right now, you might get a team that's interested – um, so there was that going around and then, you know, Craig button yesterday when he was saying that he thinks Bo Horvat's done in Vancouver. Um, other than that, uh, I mean, there's not really, you know, too much chatter and, 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 you know, roster movement regards, but, uh, there's that rumor that's, uh, the senators can acquire a defenseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's been going on since the dawn of time. Yeah. Hey, big name, big name they threw out there, Jacob Chikrin. And he, everybody's he, surprised. I think uh, Armstrong said he should be returning around the 21st of this month. So maybe once he start, well, once he actually plays and teams see, you know, how he's doing and he's healed, I think maybe maybe they'll re-engage there. But um, I don't think Ottawa, with the way they started their year, I don't know if it'd be wise to give up assets to acquire Jacob Chikrin. But um, I do think at some point Chikrin, Chik, Chikrin will be dealt. Um, I just don't know if it will be to Ottawa, but – um Ottawa yeah not, not much, one this year by the way not much not much chatter um those were the real i guess main three type of headlines uh if you will but um i mean the biggest one bo horvat uh he's playing phenomenal right now uh he's got 14 goals i think he's got 20 points um you know he's their captain he brings a lot more to the ice than his offense he brings a lot of intangibles and you know, for Vancouver, a team that's looking like they could go through a retool or a rebuild um, based on what he also wants, what they're going to have to pay him, I think it would be wise to move him. You'll probably get a decent amount of assets, as we talked about, in the bar talk segment. So um, there will be a lot of teams lining up for Bo Horvat's uh, services, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think he would get, you know, in terms of like free agency, I think he would get something below what um... – Mika Zibanejad and uh, JT Miller signed for. I think you're looking at like seven and a half to eight million for for yeah. that, depending on how he finishes this season. But um, he's going to be somebody that's going to be available. A lot of teams will be able to take on his cap hit at the deadline. It's going to be affordable, even if Vancouver has to retain salary. And goal scoring is at a premium. So when you have a guy having a season like this, if this continues, you know, pretense obviously there, but. Um, if this continues, then you're, you're looking at somebody who's uh, going to be in very, very, very high demand. There's going to be bidding war for him because I don't believe he has any type of uh, trade protection on him. No, he doesn't. He, no, he doesn't. So. I looked it up last year. The only thing that he had at, that was any trade protection was he had one more year on his deal or it's, he's still got one more year right now or he's got. No, no he's, he's a free agent at the UFA. end of the year. Yeah, he's a UFA. Yeah, he doesn't have any type of trade protection. So, un unlike a certain right winger from Chicago, who's uh, thirty-four, about to be thirty-four years old, and uh, uh, 
rumored to be to one of the New York teams here or possibly both. But I still think the Islanders are better off getting Tarasenko because I don't see St. Louis really. I understand that St. Louis is like two points out of a playoff spot. It's still very early, but it's just St. Louis ain't playing like the team that we thought they were going to be. Two games under 500. They're 12 points. They're four points back of Minnesota. Obviously, you win those games. Oh, sorry, of Colorado because you got to get to the three seed. You can get to you. Can, you got to win your games at hand, but you got to win those games at hand. St. Louis ain't playing like it. And you know what, Jordan Biddington, that guy that won that Stanley Cup, he ain't walking through that door. And speaking about another guy that's hurting my fantasy team. But if that's the case, go over to Tarasenko. The asking price is much less for the Islanders, and they got Trigger Man right there. I think. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking cost-wise, Tarasenko will, will be less than what Kane and Horvat will get, um, for sure. Uh, but I mean, St. Louis, you would think you would think they would move Tarasenko based on how they're playing right now. But there's also no guarantee. You know, they saw they. I'm sure they believe what they did a couple of years ago, where they were the worst team in the league. Uh, you know that they could do it again and and still try to make the playoffs. So I, I don't think they're going to make any determination on Tarasenko until you know, much later in the season. So who knows if he'll, if he'll be available or not. Whereas Patrick Kane, I got to believe that Kane's going to be available no matter what. Everybody yeah. wants – I know that everybody wants to bring up that instant. Let me just go back to that one more time. I know Phil's chomping at the bit. Let's get him in here. But people talk about that that season. That was a – just like the Vegas year the year before. It was a perfect storm. You had a team that was – Changing their head coach, they switched to Craig Burbay. I want to say they they switched from Mike Yo, but I wasn't. I'm not too sure on that one, guys. Um, then they went to Jordan Biddington from Jake Allen. So now you have a new goalie and a new coach. Now a new system, and Allen, uh, not Allen Biddington, just caught fire. I mean, I remember I had a fantasy week. I had him and Vasilevsky. I had four shutouts in that one week. And the only reason why I didn't have five was because they two played each other. They had a one nothing uh, game that went to overtime. So it's, I don't. There's that change isn't coming in St. Louis. It's not happening. They just came out and they they endorsed the coach. The general manager endorsed Craig Berube. Said he's not going anywhere. So it's on the players to figure it out. But um, uh, I, I I see the comment here. Um, why would team gamble on Chikrin? Uh, you know, hurt and the one great season from him. Uh, you know what? I, I think a guy that's going to start generating some interest real soon because I think they're going to be out of it sooner than later with the way that they're playing in Anaheim is John Klingberg. You were John mentioning Klingberg. that actually on your Twitter today. I was yeah. actually going to highlight it. I didn't. Yeah, um, that that's something that I, I think I think it would be a great target for the Rangers, depending on the cost. Um uh, could you imagine getting Klingberg and moving him to the second pairing with Keandre Miller and then moving Jacob Truba down to the third pairing and having him play with somebody else? I mean, that could absolutely shore up your defensive problems right there. But um, I, I think a lot of teams are going to be on him because I think he's making uh, six million against the cap. Mm-hmm. And that, that's going to be affordable for a lot of teams. And Anaheim's going to be able to, to uh, eat the, uh, the space or eat the, uh, the contract if, if necessary. So um, the eat the 50% and obtain it to make sure that a deal gets done. But um, I, I, or 7 million, sorry, he's making against the cap. So, but Anaheim's got the space. They can, they can make things happen. I mean, they've got the deadline cap space that they're going to be projected to have is about 57 million. 
in deadline cap space. So they don't, they don't have a lot of big contracts on the books. Their highest paid forward in terms of AAV is Adam Henrique at 5825. Jakob Silverberg right behind him at 525. Shrine Strom at 5 million. Because you know, you have guys like Trevor Zegers that are still on their rookie contracts, and then they're gonna get big deals. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, him and Jamie Drysdale, who's actually hurt. And do you, I, I wonder if Anaheim also moves John Gibson? John Gibson has uh four years left after this at 6.4 million. He's still one of the better goaltenders in the league. But um, yeah, you got to there's There's got to be a trophy that eventually they just give out of saying player X has been in the most trade rumors since Y. Because yeah. John Gibson, is, if it's not him, it's Jacob Chikrin. The, they've had the most amount yeah. of trade rumors ever. Like, it's yeah, just- they that- that's definitely become one of those situations where the player has been eternally on the block for, for God knows how long. So, um, but yeah, I, I like this comment too. John Klingberg on power play two over Jacob Truba. I mean, that could definitely help power play two out big time. Cause they need a, what, they need some wait, wait. shot. Right? Sorry, Phil, what's power play two? Cause I'm not sure if the Rangers know it. Yeah. So they don't really use it, but <laughs> But uh, um, looks at power play two for the Rangers and goes, Can you at least put power play two on ice a little bit? Oh, come on. Could you imagine him on power play one and 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 maybe moving Adam Fox out of it? I don't think they would ever do that because Adam Fox is really good at moving the puck. But I mean, John Klingberg is much more of a shooting threat than Adam Fox, and that would give them a look that they haven't had in a while there. And like the, the Rangers have a lot of things they have to figure out, just even structurally speaking with that, because, because by the way, I, I do, I do want to say uh, one of our followers, uh, uh, Christy put it on the, the page and I haven't been able to follow it on a Facebook page. Feel free to join in our Facebook groups and uh, or our page as well. But the, the, the topic of I've gone over this a million times. Why is it that Lucas Raymond is doing this or uh, Tim Stutzel is doing this? And in the meantime, Alexei Lafreniere and Capococco aren't doing anything. Well, the answer to that, again, is the Rangers aren't putting them in positions where they're going to be big-time scorers. It's not happening. And it's just – this is where – we talked about this before, Phil. This is where maybe Capococco on the bumper is a better option. It's, I mean, being a lefty shot, maybe that actually opens things up. Maybe Alexei Lafreniere over in – the uh the Ryan Strom spot that was over on this side occasionally the bumper like good power plays have to do different things and open things up though those guys haven't if they went to a bottom division team like in Arizona they'd be first line getting first line minutes and doing much better yeah absolutely like I said you got to put your got to put your young guys in optimal positions to uh, be able to produce and just the Rangers just haven't done that that's that's a big part of the problem. I mean, you're we're talking about you know Anthony saying you know Lafreniere's got to start giving you points, Kako's got to start giving you points. Totally agree, but I mean, if you're not going to get time on power play one, where, where are these points coming from? Yeah, you got to do it at five on five then. And what's the Rangers' problems? Five on five. And yep. how many times have we said Kako Kako was the best player of the ice? It's Happened a lot. So. So. 
All right. Um, we'll see if there's maybe like one or two more questions if you want. Yeah, to. Yeah, maybe like yeah. five more minutes. Yeah, I mean, we're was I'm actually going to be flying to Nashville for one night. Trediak would be, yeah, by the way, Chris T, speaking of which, uh, Trediak would be a top four goalie of all time. I would agree yeah, with that. Yeah, addressed that in the, in the chat itself. I, I responded to that one. You did. I did see you say that. But, I mean, I mean, Vladislav Trediak, they used the line in Miracle of, if you scored on him, save the puck, because it doesn't happen too often. Yep. So, and... Um, I'm going to look into a Rangers meetup, at least two Rangers meetups, uh, soon. I want to see if I can find a eight o'clock game, maybe against Chicago or something like that. I'm still looking to go to my first, well, my first Rangers road game of the year. I'll be going to my first Islanders road game in Nashville tomorrow night. Um, but I already did Nashville as a city, so I might not do a, a big video about that. Uh, because there would be a love. Uh, yeah, there'd be a, a lot of that. Uh, yeah, Pete, I'd love to tell you. And by the way, Phil, I was going to suggest to you guys, if you guys want to try to go to that uh, stadium series game in Carolina, I'd be up for that. So especially since I hear about the tailgating there is um, is great. So, but what do you think about what, what Chris is saying right there? What? Um, by the way, Wicked, you're right about it. I know Phil just responded, but Red Army, great documentary. But it also, the other part, great part about that is that goes into uh, what happened with uh, Fatisov and the Devils for years. Because the Devils were drafting a lot of these Russian guys. But but he did, Chris T did say this, Panarin starting to turn in the Matt Zuccarello syndrome. Yeah, yeah, Matt's did kind of look a little bit uh, out of sorts at times. I would definitely take him back in a heartbeat, though. He he could fix Matt's that role, yeah. problem. Minnesota he would definitely eight, fix that parable, yeah. Minnesota ate a couple of, uh, maybe ate like a million or two of that, and they just, they, um, it, it, it didn't cost too much. I would definitely take Matt Zuccarello back in a heartbeat at that point because he he's what Kreider and and, and Zibanejad miss. And those three would have instant chemistry. They played together before 2018-19. Mm -hmm. um, and they they would be they would be re I think they would be a really good line again. Uh, I don't think that's true about Stromer and Trocek have been playing similar. I kind of I kind of went off on somebody about Twitter that they said, "Oh look, Ryan Strom scored. How about that guy?" You're like, "Yeah, he's just as irrelevant as the team he plays on." Again, if you think Ryan Strom is what losing Ryan Strom is costing the Rangers the Stanley Cup, you're absolutely wrong. Sorry, guys. The only thing that's really similar is that they have the same amount of points. They actually have the same amount of of goals, assists, and points. Strom has it in one less game. But uh, Trocek has been a far better defensive player than Strom. And part of the reason why Anaheim is so bad is because Strom just doesn't give you anything defensively. He's just not yeah, a good player in that regard. He's not a good all-around player. 
And while you're there, how about the penalties? How, how similar are they? Uh, I mean, penalty-wise, uh, Strom has eight minutes in penalties. Trocek has eight as well. Wow, okay. All right, don't worry. Um, that'll change. Uh, Trocek's Strom, penalties are still going to be Strom better Strom than... Strom has five goals on 28 shots. Um, and uh, Trocek has five goals on 61. But... Strom, Strom has a far worse Corsi four percentage at 48. And he starts 53% of his uh, starts in the offensive zone. Um, Trocek starts 61% of his in the offensive zone, but has a Corsi four percentage of 57.2, which is actually really good. But Phil, I got to highlight Alex's. Uh one right here now he says mark believe it or not that panarin may be wanting out by next year he looks frustrated out there um i don't see I'll i don't tell you what, if that right. happens that's gonna be a mutual breakup no I, I i don't see where you where he looks frustrated i i, I think he just he needs he needs another guy on that line like you can't play with two guys yeah. on one line and expect to, to win games like it just, I, I don't, I don't agree with this at all. He's, he's literally on pace for, I, I think about a hundred points if, if mm. I'm correct. So I, I don't understand where you're getting this from. And I know he's not been, he's been not good at five on five. Like he needs to be better. But again, when your top six is devoid of right wing production, you know, that that's what happens. So. Well, we're going to be looking at a lot more and yes, they, they need to try. They need to try something. I'm thinking core, I like that idea of Kako and Laffy, but then you, you're, you fear losing Kreider. So. I mean, yeah, maybe I, I guess you could do Kreider that. Eventually is going to have to go. Yeah. The problem is also with Alexei Lafreniere is he went to a team with two entrenched left wings. That yeah. was another thing we acknowledged. I think on our first couple shows, Phil and I acknowledge that, but it was that was like the first ones ever. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna play the music. We'll start to sign us off right now because next week we're gonna be doing things that we're thankful for in the NHL, or one thing each one of us, and also uh, kind of do uh, uh who are the turkeys of the NHL this year? There's a lot of them, especially. We got a lot of people. Why is it the best game, the worst run league? Which I'm not even concerned. I think the NBA is worst run, but but that's a different story. And the NFL. And the Actually, who's really the best run league? They're all competing for the worst. I mean... Rob Manfred's doing everything he can to destroy baseball, but that's a different story. All right. Guys, thank you very much for joining us. We're going to get out of here. I got to get this up for the audio podcast. And uh, we're going to, we're actually going to be doing an early show next week. We're going to try to get on by about 5.30. I will be in my Boss Kroger shirt because uh, I'll be working next Wednesday night. Goody. It's everybody's favorite night of the year, uh, especially if you're a bartender. 
Phil, last word? Yeah, hopefully uh, the Rangers show up to play tomorrow night and uh, take three or four on this road trip because they need it. Very critical road trip for them. You don't want to be behind the eight ball when that happens. So anyway, again, everybody, thanks very much for joining us. And have a lot more for you during the week. And, you know, 